Welcome to the very first episode of checking out the competition for the NHL restart. We are going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We joined up with our friends at Pennsburg, specifically Garrett Bahana of Pennsburg Radio, and we did a little joint effort for this intro to checking out the competition for the season. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. This is Garrett Bahana from Pennsburg. And it's me, Kelly Hinkle from Broad Street Hockey. And, and uh, radio. this, Kelly, this is a, a little bit of, uh, I guess you and I are g- both going behind enemy lines to look at the opposition here ahead of the Penguins Flyers exhibition game on, uh, yeah. I believe it's what, July 28th. So yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. So it looks like the NHL is slowly starting to rev up and return to play into the postseason, And with that, you know, a lot of these teams have to shake off the rust that maybe they couldn't shake off while they were participating in their intra-squad scrimmages. It'll be nice for the Penguins, as I'm sure it'll be nice for the Flyers to finally get some, not meaningful game action, but some, you know, game action nonetheless against a different opponent other than their teammates. Yeah, and I kind of love that it's Flyers-Penguins, just because... I've been referring to this as a friendly just because it makes me laugh personally because, of course, our two teams are not friendly. <laughs> yes, quite the opposite. But, yeah, so I think it's it's actually great that we're kicking off this way because there's absolutely no way, even though I'm sure both of these teams are absolutely treating this game as practice and are not going to be going as hard as they would in a regular game, I do still think that it's impossible for both the Penguins and the Flyers to not get up at least a little bit for one of these games, just because, you know, a little bit of a, little bit of a history there. (laughs) I I couldn't tell you how many times I brought that up in our, our last podcast episode, how many times I said it's pretty likely. And I agree with you. It's pretty likely that these teams aren't going to be playing with the same intensity that they would in a regular season or a, tradi- a traditional postseason game. But to, to your point, it's it's still Penguins-Flyers. It's still Pittsburgh-Philadelphia. It's still the Battle of Pennsylvania. Yep. And it's, it's a great opportunity for all of these guys on both teams to shake off whatever rust they have in anticipation for both of these matchups. For the Penguins, it's obviously the Canadians. And for the Flyers, I believe it's that round-robin tournament. I believe their game, the first game anyway, is against the Boston Bruins. Is that correct? It is. Yes, it is on uh, August 2nd. So that'll be fun. So, Kelly, I guess we'll dive right into it and we'll, we'll start talking about, you know, we'll, we'll start talking about the, these two teams and, and both of their playoff aspirations. Uh, but, you know, before that, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about Penguins and Flyers, and more specifically, you know, we, we at Pennsburg have been talking about uh, for the last three months, it seems like, what the Penguins have been doing on social media and, you know, what they've been up to while they've been in quarantine, you know, mm-hmm. ha- have any players gotten any new dogs, any puppies, <laughs> any any children, anything like that, you know, just to, just to, just to uh, put smiles on faces while we've all been locked inside our houses for three months. So, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the question. What have the Flyers been up to over the last three-plus pu- three months since the NHL has stopped play? So I'm like the worst person to ask about this because I the only social media that I engage in is Twitter. And I don't, I don't really pay attention to these guys' personal life. But I do know 
first of all, Sean Couturier just had a little baby girl. So he's, you know, full of dad energy now that I'm sure he'll be tapping into for the playoffs. Um, one of the more fun things is that Ivan Provorov, who is some kind of like alien machine man, apparently during quarantine had like rented himself an ice rink so that he could continue to skate for the entirety of the shutdown, which is kind of hilarious because he's also been known to do things like push tractor tires up mountains. Like he's just a crazy person. So it kind of tracks that he would find himself some ice that he could skate on all by himself. Um, so that's kind of fun, but I think it's, it kind of seemed like, for the most part, the Flyers were kind of doing what all of us were doing, which was sitting around, working out as best they could in their houses and waiting for the world to open back up again. What yeah, have the Penguins been up to? I, I think the, the, the one of the biggest things that uh, the Penguins have been up to, I, I mean, you have to think it would be largely the same sitting around and trying to keep in the best shape possible for when they were hoping for an eventual restart. I think one of, one of our forwards, Zach Aston Reese, I think he got a new puppy during quarantine. So, um, that's that's always good. It's, it's, you know, it's always good to talk about puppies. I mean, it it immediately brings smiles to people's faces. So, um, yeah, quarantine activities, renting out an ice, an entire ice rink for, for oneself is, that's peak NHL energy. It's he's a madman. It's peak. It's it's just oh, that's that's the chef's kiss right there. If, <laughs> if, yes. if there's if there's a person anywhere in the world that would rent out a facility, an ice rink, no less, it would it would be an NHL player for sure. Yeah, and if anyone's gonna, I feel like if anyone's going to end up like Yarmir Yager and just able to do things well into like their fifties or whatever, just like it, an absolute crazy machine of a man. It's going to be Ivan Provorov because he's just, he's out of control with the training and everything, which like good for him. So speaking of training, uh, now that we've, now that we've touched on the, what, what the players have, what, what each team has been up to during quarantine, I'd like to get your thoughts. And after you, I'll, I'll return the favor, but I'd like to get your thoughts on, how you think the Flyers have looked during their practices or scrimmages or whatever you want to call them uh, ahead of the exhibition game. Not only the exhibition game against the Penguins, but obviously they're looking towards the bigger picture against this in this round-robin tournament, and they're hoping, as the Penguins are, for a long Stanley Cup run. So h- how have the Flyers looked? Have there been any big question marks surrounding the team, any big position battles or anything like that going on in Philadelphia? So we're lucky um, in that... One of our Broad Street Hockey Radio people is uh, Charlie O'Connor, who's a beat writer. So he got to actually go to the practices. Um, So we actually had some eyes inside and he's been reporting on it for The Athletic. But um, one of the things that I think bodes well for the Flyers is that the lines that were really rolling when the pause happened, because if... um, Penns fans don't remember the Flyers were on absolute fire when the league ended, which is like, of course, the most Flyers thing to happen. (laughs) Um, So it seems like um, like the second line of Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny and Scott Lawton, they put that back together in practice and it's looked good. Um, The fourth line was playing really well for the Flyers at the pause, which was 
Nate Thompson, Nicholas Abe-Cubel, and Michael Roffel. That line still looked good. Um, so I don't think there were a ton of surprises that way. There were some surprises, I think, roster battle-wise, in that um, Joel Farabee, who is obviously an extremely talented kid um, that was playing well for the Flyers for most of the season, he had some ups and downs, and he was it, it was kind of clear that it was one of those things where, like, he had never played that many games because he came out of juniors. Um, so he obviously started to fade a bit towards the end of the season. But uh, we kind of all expected that given that he's had three months off, he would be fresh and ready to go and that he would be kind of a lock for the Flyers top 12. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, he's kind of battling for a spot, mostly because I think that the Flyers view him as a top six forward and the bottom six was working so well that I don't think they're going to like plop Joel Farabee on the fourth line just because he's, you know, better than Nicholas Aubé-Cubel at the end of the day. But um, that's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that's something that's going to shake out maybe tomorrow. We'll see him play, see how that looks. Um, He's definitely fighting for a roster spot. And then there's also a really interesting surprise in that they decided to bring Igor Zamula with them into the bubble. And he is apparently going to get some time in this game against the Penguins, which is going to be super interesting to see because he has not played against NHL level talent ever or AHL level talent ever. Um, But he was, he's been super impressive uh, playing in Russia. He was extremely impressive in the last world juniors. Um, He had a back injury that I think we were worried about was going to hamper him a bit, but he has been, so good in practice that he earned himself a spot on this um, kind of expanded roster. And we're going to get a look at him against the Penguins, which I'm super excited about because I think that there's a lot of potential there. So it's going to be super cool to see what he looks like against NHL competition. And well, for Penguins fans who have been listening to our podcast and who probably haven't been under a rock for the last six or so months, I think one of the biggest things that I'm looking forward to is the return of Jake Gensel on that what what we hope is the first line with Sidney Crosby, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a few moments. The the uh, Sidney Crosby injury, but having Jake Gensel back uh, is just an immediate boost to that top six. The Penguins, uh, like they are every season, are are rattled with injuries time and time again, and somehow find a way to stay afloat. Obviously, mm-hmm. obviously the Flyers leapfrogged the Penguins as as you as you brought up the fact that, you know, they got really hot towards the end of the season, whereas the Penguins really started to slip. Um, and that obviously gives the the better positioning to the Flyers here going into, going into the postseason. But the return of Jake Gensel is, is a big plus on that first line with Crosby and Connor Sherry. Uh, the, the forward that they traded for uh, from the Minnesota wild, Jason Zucker, has found some nice chemistry with Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust. And that tandem of Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust has been torching uh, torching teams all season long, so that will definitely be a positive. And it wouldn't be a Penguins season, it wouldn't be any Penguins game if we didn't, if I, if I didn't talk about the never-ending goalie controversy <laughs> with Matt Murray, Tristan Jari, and for some reason... Uh, Penguins fans still have to harp on and bring up Mark Andre Fleury, even though oh, he hasn't. No. He hasn't been go. on. I, I, try, I see, 
Penguins fans, take it from a Flyers fan. Yeah, you gotta let it go, guys. When when they say let it go, it might be time to let it go. And I've been harping on that for for, for years now. I've defended Matt Murray on our podcast. Uh, I've written extensively about it. So I think you know, in 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 the year of our Lord 2020, I think it's time <laughs> to let the flurry saga come to its merciful end. But you know that that that. That's basically what I'm looking forward to in this game. Hopefully, hopefully it, it's a it, that we we get to see Sidney Crosby uh, participate in this exhibition game. And I know that's one of the things that you wanted to talk about was yeah. the the injury that happened to Sidney Crosby. And it, it's like under these new return to play protocols, I don't think NHL head coaches can can um, give away any mm-hmm. in, injury information. So we may never know what sidetracked Sidney Crosby. Um, I he was playing in one of the team's first scrimmages. I, I remember I caught I, I caught a, a tiny glimpse of the scrimmage that he was participating in, and I distinctly remember hearing the commentator say Crosby grabbed his stick and and went back into into the uh, into the dressing room, and we haven't seen him since this past Friday on the ice when he returned to practice in uh he in a full capacity so i don't know what it was maybe we may never find out what crosby's injury was obviously when when the captain goes down it it's going to spark uh some fear and everyone's going to be holding their breath but um it, it looks like he's going to play in this exhibition game he logged a full practice everything looks fine as far as i can tell high-pitched voice uh (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, I was I was kind of in preparation for this, just kind of looking things over. And this morning, when I was doing that, it kind of looked like it was it was still a question mark for Crosby. And I think I read on um, your fine website, Pensburg, that it it kind of seemed like when he got back into practice, he was like maybe working on his edges, so it might have been some kind of lower body tweaky injury that happened to him but obviously like you said there's no way we're ever going to find out because they're not allowed to say anymore um but yeah then later this afternoon i saw that he had a full practice and it looked like he was ready to go for this game which to be quite honest like i'm kind of glad that he's going to be playing because i i want the flyers to to have to you know play tough competition like if we're going to call this game a practice I want them to have to deal with Sidney Crosby a little bit because he's uh, pretty good. So <laughs> if, if they can get some practice in shutting him down, that's not going to be a bad thing for them heading into this game against the Bruins. And yeah, that I was, and you segued perfectly into the point that I was going to ask you about, you know, getting that practice against a guy like Crosby is, well, obviously any practice is good practice at this point, but the Flyers do have a tough task ahead of them against what many consider to be the best team in the East, if not the best team in the NHL in the Boston Bruins. So from a Flyers from the from a Flyers perspective, how are fans going into this game against the Bruins? Do, do they have confidence? Uh, is, is it kind of a little bit of apprehension? You know, are they the clear underdog against uh, the Bruins and that the fiery offense? How do the Flyers prepare for this game against Boston? So I think the neat thing for the Flyers is that in this round robin situation, they've got nowhere to go from but up. So they're the fourth seed in the round robin tournament. 
They can't go down. They can only go up. So I think that that is allowing them to go into it a little bit looser, maybe, than some of the other teams. Um, Elaine Vigneault has made it pretty clear that they're obviously going to be pushing to win these games, but they're also going to be treating them as a warm-up for the real playoffs. So I think that we're going to see a lot of... Well, I'll say like tomorrow, I think we're going to see a lot of roster kind of tryout moves. Sure. So, so they're, you know, guys kind of, you know, jockeying for spots on the final roster. But I think that when we get to this game against the Bruins, it's going to be more of not exactly practice, but like a, a warm up to get to the real playoff. So it's, it's going to be, I think, I'll say that if they lose this game, I'm not going to be upset about it because I think that what they're going to be doing is trying to figure it out, trying to figure out the best combination of lines, trying to figure out the best D pairs, trying to figure out how to best run their power play, how to shut down that top line on the Bruins. Because if you shut them down, like there's not a lot going on after that first line. So I think that it's going to be, you know, kind of a slow figuring it out and the Flyers are going to treat it as such. And then if they win, cool, because we're going to move up in the seating, which is is a good thing. So um, I'm pretty psyched about it because it's kind of a low-pressure situation to start. Um, you know, it's not like you have to live and die by every game like you do once you get to the first round. So it's going to be a little bit, a little bit more fun, I think. Sure. I can definitely see it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Did you want to <laughs> flip the switch and like preview the the Penguins Canadian series? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit because I am I'm kind of curious um, about first of all if Penguins fans generally are feeling a little bit salty about the fact that they have to play their way into the actual playoffs, um, and also how they feel about playing a team like the Canadians that absolutely should not have been given this opportunity if we were doing things, you know, in the old way. Um, And that also, while I I feel like the Canadians aren't going to, I don't think that they're going to beat the Penguins, but I do think that there are certain things that that team could do um, that would give the Penguins fits. Like you never know if Carey Price is going to remember how to be a lights out goaltender. And if he does that in this series, like that could be a big problem for the Penguins. So I'm wondering kind of how the fan feeling is around the idea of this play in series and how confident you're feeling heading into it. My thought process going into the series, when everything was decided and we found out that the Penguins were going to be uh, playing the Canadians in this, this, um, play in or, you know, whatever you want to call it to get to the traditional first round, you know, the Canadians, and I think you were touching on it there. They probably have no right to be in a tournament like this. Um, you know, even fighting for a a playoff spot. Um, you know, no one, no one on that team is going to outwardly come out and say that we don't deserve to be here. Um, but they were selling off, they were selling off quite a few assets, uh, around the trade deadline and before the trade deadline, you know, I- I'm sure they were hoping to kind of pack it in towards the end of the season and, you know, have their hopes on a top five pick, maybe even go for 
uh, Alexis Lafreniere, who mm-hmm. the Canadians still have a chance for, and the Penguins still have a chance for. <laughs> if if they lose to the Canadians, well, you you never know. But, yeah. Um, and it, that crazy uh, draft lottery thing out of the way. Um, look, every single projection that I've read that I'm sure other Penguins fans have read, everyone everyone really isn't giving the Canadians a- any sort of chance in this series. And I think you brought it up. If, if there's one person who's going to keep the Canadians afloat or maybe even steal a series, it's probably going to be Carey Price. Mm-hmm. They, the, the Canadians do have some, some young talent and Jonathan Drouin specifically has been a, a Penguins killer in his career, both with the lightning and with Canadians. So, you know, they have some pieces there. They probably don't have a full team, to battle the the depth and the star power that the Penguins have, yeah. Uh, but then again, going into going into the first round series against the New York the New York Islanders last season, uh, I felt pretty confident that the Penguins would probably win that series, probably take it to five or six games, and they ended up getting swept. And so uh, I don't have I don't have apprehension or you know i don't have any reservations about this series i'm excited for hockey i hope the nhl can pull this off without any you know any major you know terrible crazy catastrophic things happening i'm excited to watch meaningful hockey but i i'm prepared to live with the fact that the penguins slid they they really they really slid towards the end of the season when mm-hmm. everything was stopped they probably you know they probably deserve to be in the place they're at considering how the team was playing towards the end of that uh, stoppage and you know if anything the 3 months has given the ability for a guy like Jake Ensel to come back it's given the ability for all of these teams to recharge mm-hmm. refresh and get ready to go but i i agree with you i i think you know the canadians don't have a huge chance but they don't have a 0% chance. I'll say that. Yeah. So are there any um, kind of roster battles happening for the Penguins right now? Or do you think that the lineup is pretty much set? Because like I said before, I think the Flyers have a couple of decisions that they could end up making um, before this Boston game. And I'm wondering if any of the the kids that have been brought along into the bubble with the Penguins... Um, that, you know, in a normal playoff circumstance, probably wouldn't be in the discussion at all as far as getting playing time. But do you think there's any decisions to be made? Is anybody trying out in this game against the Flyers? Or do you think things are pretty much set? I don't know if Mike Sullivan is going to employ any of the Black Aces for the exhibition game. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's possible if, if someone sustained a nick or, or something like that in one of the scrimmages that we don't know about, you know, mm-hmm. if he, if he keeps them out as a precaution, there are a couple of names in the, in all of the, the, the minor leaguers, uh, or the, the young guys that they brought along into the bubble with them. There are a couple of names that penguins fans could keep an eye on if, if they play in the exhibition game or heaven forbid, heaven forbid, something terrible happens, some catastrophic injury happens. And one of these black aces do have to come in and play, uh, on the forward side of things, their, uh, 2019 first overall pick Sam Poulin, uh, has come in with a, a lot of, I wouldn't say a massive amount of fanfare, but he's a, he's an enticing prospect prospect to watch nonetheless, because it's probably one of the only first round picks the penguins have had, in what seems like the last decade after trading all of their first round picks away at the deadline for, for rentals and 
for to, to, to obviously bolster their team for a deep Stanley Cup run. So Sam Poulin is a guy that I would probably watch if he plays in the exhibition or if he comes in. He has some size. He has some speed. Um, I think in, in the QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior League, I, he had a pretty successful season. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an expert on hmm. w- watching junior hockey or, you know, watching what the, how these guys develop in junior leagues. But he's a guy that I would uh, watch on from an offensive perspective on the defensive side of things. If a guy like uh, Justin Schultz got injured or a Chris Letang or who, who have you, if he if one of those got injured, they do have Pierre Olivier Joseph, who was brought over from the Arizona Coyotes in the Phil Kessel trade last summer who um, is just starting to find his feet with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Um, I don't know. Again, I'd put an asterisk by a lot of these guys because I don't know if Sullivan would be the kind of coach to throw a lot of these young guys to the Wolves when a lot of these games start to matter and you're actually fighting for a Stanley Cup. They do have a lot of depth that has seen NHL action before, but I, I know fans, how fans think, you know, they, they like to see the young guys. They like to see the up-and-coming uh, prospects that are likely to make a name for themselves. So Pierre Olivier Joseph on the defense, Sam Poulin on the offense, and goaltending wise, they do have Casey DeSmith, who does have obviously some NHL experience. Um, he's been in the minors for the entirety of this season, as the Penguins have rode with Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. If one of the goaltenders get hurt, Casey DeSmith would probably come in and uh, take the backup role for whoever is injured and. That leads me to talking about well, the other thing that you were just what, talking about was the position battles. Mm-hmm. Are there any position battles uh, for the Penguins? And there is one. Uh, the, the forward lines look set. I wouldn't expect any massive changes from any of the forward lines. The defensive pairings look set as well. The one big question mark, and it's been a question mark throughout these scrimmages, is who's going to be the starting goaltender, Matt Murray or Tristan Jari? And mm. You know, like I said at the start, it wouldn't be a Penguins season, wouldn't be a Penguins podcast without someone talking about a goalie controversy. So, you know, we've been trying to figure out on the Penguins side of things who has looked the sharpest in camp, who is going to be the guy that Mike Sullivan puts all of his trust into. And logic dictates that Mike Sullivan is probably going to put his faith at least early on, he's going to put his faith in Matt Murray, the guy who's been there, done this, and he has two Stanley Cups to his name. But Matt Murray has had an up-and-down season. He doesn't look like the same goaltender he did, you know, two, three years ago when they were winning Stanley Cups. Uh, and that leads me to Tristan Jari, who has had a spectacular season that no one, I'm sure no one could have seen coming, an all-star season. So the Penguins have options in net. It, it just depends if if Matt Murray struggles early in the series against the Canadians. Let's say the Penguins go down in the series 2-0, for example. I would not be shocked if Tristan Jari supplants Matt Murray from that point forward, if Jari can dig them out of uh, a potential hole. And if Jari gets hot, you know, I think a lot of postseason um, postseason play is dictated on who has the hot hand in net. And if Tristan Jari gets the hot hand in net, we could be watching Tristan Jari lift a Stanley Cup at the end of the summer. Who knows? But that's probably the biggest position battle that we still don't have an answer to. And that's definitely going to be another thing that I'm going to be watching in this exhibition game. Uh, who does Mike Sullivan leave out there the most in terms of uh, 
goaltending minutes? Who are, are they going to split time in this exhibition? I would think so, just to see what Sullivan likes the most, who, who, who has the hot hand, who's going to play in net. So, yeah, that's probably what I'd lead. That's probably what the best thing I would describe in terms of a position battle on the team at this point. Yeah, the, the Flyers um, kind of explicitly said today that they are going to play Carter Hart two periods and Brian Elliott one period in this game. Um, so I was wondering if the Penguins were going to split it up a bit to see who's playing better. I mean, I, it makes sense to do it that way, right? Like, this game is meaningless. You might as well get a look at exactly. what each guy can do before things start to count. So. Kelly, there's one other thing I did want to talk about, and and Mm -hmm. that is specifically there is one player on the Flyers team that has garnered a lot of attention, not mainly not for the best of reasons. I'm I'm talking about Oscar Lindblom, and he is I think as of now he's I believe he's finished with his chemotherapy from the the cancer treatments that he was going through, and this is just like me personally talking. I don't know if. It might be if it's the best idea to have a guy like Lindblom out there, you know, God forbid something happen and with uh, a compromised immune system in the current environment we're in, even though the NHL is in a bubble. Is it the smartest play? Do you think the Flyers will play Lindblom consistently throughout the playoffs? Do you think that they might hold him back just in case? Uh, of Just in case that, you know, they obviously don't want anything horrific to happen to the guy. So, you know, that's the one player that caught my eye that makes me think that, you know, the the lights are flashing off in my head. Is this the smartest idea for for a guy like him after everything he's been through this season to play in this tournament? So I've seen a lot of this kind of conversation um, on social media surrounding Oscar Lindblom and his situation and what he's doing. And my thought is that this kid, without question has access to the best doctors in the world when it comes to this kind of thing. And I have to believe that both he personally and the team, even if you want to believe that the team doesn't care about him as a person, which I I don't think is the case, but even if you wanted to believe like cynically that they don't give a shit about Oscar Lindblom, I have to believe that as an asset, they wouldn't want to put him at risk. So in my mind, if Oscar Lindblom and the Flyers have spoken with his medical team and they've determined that there is absolutely no greater risk for him than anyone else to be in this bubble, I have to believe that that's the case. Like, there's no reason for me to believe that he is at this point, now that he's finished with his treatments, at any greater risk than anyone else as far as exposure to the virus. Um, As far as him playing... Uh, They've made it pretty clear that there's no way that we're going to see Oscar Lindblom playing anywhere near the beginning of these playoffs if he's to play at all. Um, I kind of think in my head the reason that they did this is, A, it's a big-time morale boost for the team to have him there, to have him able to be able to practice with the team, to be a part of all of it. Um, they could have just brought him along, you know, as a cheerleader, but I think that doing it this way makes it really clear that they think of him as an integral part of the team and something important and a piece that needed to be there. Um, that said, in my head, I've thought about this a lot, and I feel like if they were to get 
to the final, Oscar Limblom would dress for a game for obvious reasons. I think that in my mind, like that's kind of the scenario in which he's actually dressing for a game is that if they're in the final and they want to make sure there's absolutely no question that his name is going on the cup with the rest of them, they dress him for a game in the final and we don't have to do the petition thing. We don't have to wonder about it. He's just there. He's, he's on the cup. Um, that said, there's absolutely a, a, a situation in which he practices the whole time they're up there in Toronto and maybe we get far enough that he has gotten himself back into game shape and he could possibly dress for a game. The possibility is there. He's on the roster. He could play if they wanted him to, but they have made it very clear that at the start, there's not going to be any chance that Oscar Lindblom is going to be dressing for a game. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I think it's remarkable that he's been able to recover so fully so quickly. Um, he participated in some practices at the start of the training camp and we got to see a little bit of video of it and he looked pretty darn good. Like he was skating really well. His hands were still there. Like the kid's super talented and he was playing really, really well before his diagnosis. So once he gets his legs back under him, I mean, there's no reason for me to believe he's not going to be a really good hockey player. And I don't know if he'll play in these playoffs, but I think it's, it's super cool that the team decided to do this. So we'll see how it goes. I'm just really, you know, I I think that's the right way to go about it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm just speaking as a person, you know, I'm not Mm -hmm. speaking as as a writer at this point. I'm just, I'm, because I think you and I both know the, the term hockey culture gets thrown around a lot on social media. And a lot of it is seen in a very negative light. A lot of guys you'd think, would be playing if they had a broken leg, for example, and you, you obviously wouldn't hear about it, but if you had, if they had a broken leg, they'd kind of soldier on for, yeah. for, you know, a chance to win the Stanley cup. And this is one of those times where I'm kind of glad hockey culture and, you know, everything that comes with that kind of stigma, it, knowledge, and, and, you know, precaution, medical advice, everything like that is winning out in the end. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, because I don't know about you, but I, watching everything that goes along with hockey, hockey culture and seeing some of the things that guys do in, 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 a, in a normal season, you know, what they soldier through for the sake of the game. And, you know, because I'm a tough guy and I play NHL hockey, you know, I think a lot of that is BS uh, and yeah. You know, you're 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 doing damage to yourself that may be irreversible down the line when you get older. Just for the the just to play a hockey game. So I'm really glad that they're taking the cautious approach with him. And you know, if they do advance and they 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 do go further along into this into the playoff run, that we may get to see him at at full health. When you know you don't have to hold your breath and wonder should he be out there playing this game after everything he's gone through. Yeah. And I think it's also worth noting that, like, with all the crappy things that come along with hockey culture, there is some good still in this game that we love. And one of the things that I think is good, it's kind of the flip side of the players aren't allowed to have personalities because this is a team sport coin. Like, that's the bad side. Sure. The good side is that you have a situation in which the team fully gets behind a kid like this, supports the hell out of them, signs him to an extension 
at the end of all this without him playing a hockey game since God, I think like January. Um, so, so there is, there is some good there as well. Like the flyers particularly, and I'm sure the penguins as well operate a little bit as a family and they, the support that he's been getting from the organization and the fans and the city and really the league as a whole, um, has been really, really nice to see. So sometimes we do get a little bit of good out of these idiots. Well, <laughs> I think we saw it with the Oscar Lindblom thing. That's a great way to describe it. A little bit of good <laughs> out of these idiots. And yeah. I, couldn't have, I couldn't have put it better myself. I mean, out of all of the crazy, crappy things we see on social media, this is one of those things where, you know, if I wasn't a Penguins fan, if I was a neutral and if I wasn't rooting for my team to win the Stanley Cup, you know, hearing a story like that, if the Flyers were to go deep, make a deep run, you know, mm-hmm. obviously everyone loves a good underdog story. Everyone loves a good, you know, return to the mountaintop story for both the team and the player. So uh, it, it would just be one of those fantastic things to follow throughout the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, there's there's definitely a win it for Oscar kind of air about things. So um It'll be interesting to see how they come out during all of this. I think I think that they're going to be able to pick up where they left off. I'm really hopeful anyway. Well, Kelly, do you have um, anything else you wanted to touch on before the, the Penguins and Flyers meet in this exhibition game? Sure. Since we're, sure. since we're doing a team effort here, I will ask you the last question that I ask everyone when we okay. do these little things for Broad Street Hockey Radio, which is to give me a shot in the dark prediction for the final score of this game. Um, you may not think this is tough, but because it's an exhibition game, it's totally hard. <laughs> it's and, really hard. You know, they wouldn't be going at full intensity. And like, we, we have no frame of reference, you know, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, you're able to pick out trends from throughout an 82 game season. And we have none of that here. Um, final score. Uh, oh dear. You know, I, I have to go with the Penguins. You know, I have of to course. go with the Penguins. Of course. So I'm going to go, I'll go 4 2 Pittsburgh. 4 2 Pittsburgh. Okay. That's How about spicy, yourself? That's a spicy one. So, um, I, of course, am going to go with the Flyers. And without anything to back it up whatsoever, <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go 5-1 Flyers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm going to go all the way in just because I'm thinking Carter Hart is going to just be a brick wall in there. And I'm thinking that, like we said to start this little conversation, I think that even though this is a practice game that doesn't mean anything, these guys aren't going to be able to contain themselves. And I think the Flyers are going to push themselves a little bit and really try to smack the penguins down to kick things off. So I'm going to go f- 4-1 Flyers. Did I say 4-1 or 5-1? You started with 5-1. Are you five going one. down? To, you're going, okay, one. You're I'm not, five yeah, one. I'm not going back. No, 5-1 five, five, Flyers is what I'm going with. Well, so we'll see what happens. It'll be fun nonetheless, Kelly. Uh, I want to just say thank you for, for coming on and, and chatting with me. And, and, you know, this has been, it's been fun to finally get back into the swing of things. Finally, you and I, for both of our teams, are going to be watching meaningful hockey very, very soon. I'm excited for it. I, I know you are, too. Big time. And thank you for letting me hijack 
your show a little bit <laughs> to get some information for Flyers fans as well. You know what? We we may be enemies on the ice and off the ice, but you know when when it comes to when it comes to Broad Street Hockey in Pennsburg, there's always going to be uh, that a little bit of a teamwork aspect. You know, we, we, we may hate each other a little right. bit, but there's a little bit of admiration in there too. I think. It's a friendly hatred. Sure, sure. We're pals at the end of the day. It's kind of like um, if some blog from outside of the SB Nation network was like talking shit on Pennsburg, we would beat them up because at the end of the day, we're brothers. Exactly. So we can talk. We can talk about each other, but no one can talk about us. <laughs> well, like I said, Kelly, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I've had a blast, and uh, maybe, maybe sometime down the line, depending on what happens in this 2020 playoffs, maybe we'll be talking with each other again soon. It could be the first round, right? You never know. You never we'll see know what happens. All righty, thanks a lot, Kelly. Thank you.